Genesis chapter 1, continuing on in Genesis chapter 1. Now, one of the dangers in dealing in the book of Genesis is to try to make Genesis to fit our scientific theories. Now, every bit of science that we know about that relates to early earth, early universe, or early earth is not a fact. It is theory. It is not a fact because we can't prove it. So it is a theory based on certain information that we have. And the problem with trying to make Genesis fit into our science is that the theories keep changing. Now you may think, oh no, this is all pretty well settled now. It is not. The theories keep changing. Every 50 years they change dramatically, certainly every 100 years. And so I had given you, I had given you an example of, of steady state versus big bang. So in the 1950s, in the late 50s, steady state was, was what it is, is that the universe has always been here. That didn't match up with what the Bible says because the Bible strictly says that there is an origin. And then all of a sudden in the late 50s, some theories started to come out, which was confirmed in about 1964 with background microwave radiation that showed that no, there was a definite origin to the universe. And in fact, now that they, they, they say that the origin was 14.8 billion years ago, in fact, they know it not just to, to, the nearest, to, to the nearest year, but they know about not just what happened in the initial seconds, but the initial very, very, very small fractions of a second. Now remember, that just came out, that just came out in the mid-60s. Prior to that, it was a very different theory. What about this Darwinian changes? You say, with Darwinian evolution is... You know, this is just totally accepted. It is not among scientists. In fact, it has been proven wrong. Dar Darwin said there are small changes that are gradually occurring over time. That has been disproven now. Did you know that? 1972. 1972, Eldridge and Gould came out and they said no, based on some theory that had been put forth in the 1950s and then confirmed in 1972, it was punctuated equilibrium. In other words, it is not, it was not supposed that evolution was a gradual change where species change one into another, but there was punctuated equilibrium. In other words, there's very little change that occurs, and then all of a sudden, over very short time spans of 50,000 to 100,000 years, great change occurs, and then it stops. Very little change occurs. And then all of a sudden, another 50,000 years, great change occurs. That's punctuated equilibrium. That theory came about in 1972. Again, in my lifetime. In my lifetime, two big changes in theory. So you, you say, well, science, you know, we gotta have this put towards science. Science what? Science changes. Now, some people think that they know a lot about science. I kinda work in this world. There are very few people on this planet that have as many publications, hardcore science publications that I have. All right? Very few people. So if anybody knows about this, I probably understand the scientific establishment better than most. You know, there's many things I don't know about. I don't know how to play, you know, your violins and your pianos, all the stuff that you do. I don't know a lot about, a lot about using CAD CAM programs and, 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 and uh, I don't know a lot about that. But the scientific establishment, that I really know. I've been a professor for 30 years, and then I was studying chemistry, specifically chemistry, for, since I was 18. 
So for 40 years, I've been studying this stuff. So I'm part of the scientific establishment. If you, if you look at rankings, people say this. I don't know if it's right, but people say that there, there, are, there are rankings that, that have listed me as being in the top 50 scientific minds in the world today. All right? So I don't know if that's the case. Shireen would highly disagree with that. My children would disagree with that. But there are others that, that, that put me there. So I'm presumed to know a little bit about science. And I'm telling you the facts keep changing. So where do you want to point the book of Genesis to fill your so-called facts? There's no facts to shoot toward. There's only speculation. Now there are facts in science. The periodic table is a fact. We know where each one of those fits in because you add a proton and you keep changing elements as you go to hydrogen across to helium and then you go to lithium and you start add, going across and you add in all these protons and you can change one element to another and we've got up to around about 112 or 115 elements and they keep figuring out more ways to add in another proton and make a new element. All of them are unstable down there but in any case, that's a fact. We know water is H2O. We know it has two hydrogen atoms. One. Those are facts. Everything else about the origin of the universe, the origin of life, that's theories. So where do you want to point this book? You want to point this book to aim at your science? Very hard to do that. Because your science keeps changing. It keeps changing. These are big things. It's no longer the gradual evolution of Darwinian. It's punctuated equilibrium. That's what the fossil record shows, that's what many things shows, and that's what, what's clearly believed is punctuated equilibrium. I'll give you, I'll give you something else. So, remember junk DNA. 1.5% of the DNA is all that's really looked at. And by that 1.5%, we are said to be 99.9% the same as a chimpanzee. When you look at 1.5% of our DNA, that is true. We are 70% the same as a dandelion. If you look at 1.5% of our DNA. Well, that might make sense in that in, in it, why are we so close to animals? Because the entire animal kingdom was made on, 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 on this, this day six. So that we would have common elements. You know, if you want to match it up with Scripture, fine. But remember, that's only 1.5%. Guess what we're finding just in the last... Five years, just in the last five years, certainly within your lifetime, that 98.5% of formerly junk DNA, guess what? It's no longer junk. It's now no longer considered, even spoken about as being junk DNA. It is considered intergenic DNA. And they are finding regulatory elements all through a, that. Regulatory elements means this, that that DNA encodes for proteins, that enzymes that build our body, that regulate structure within our body and control our body. There are regulatory elements there. They're finding this through a project called Project ENCODE that, that started in, 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 I think, the late 90s, maybe early 2000s, and has continued on, where they're looking at what was, form, what was formerly called junk DNA, that 98.5% of the DNA. Also, orphan genes, which are unique to a certain taxon. These orphan genes that they're finding are in that 98.5% of the DNA. So where do you want to shoot this? We're finding that we're not as close. Did you know even Darwinian evolution has changed? Because Darwinian use, evolution used to be this. It was 
random mutation and natural selection is what caused this diversity of species. Random mutation and, and natural selection. You've heard of that, right? Guess what? You're all wrong. It's no longer that. Evolution is not, is no longer about random mutation and natural selection. If you're living there, you're living in what you learned when you were in kindergarten. That's been proven wrong. Evolution is no longer about that. You say, oh, how can that be? Trust me. I'm, remember, I'm the guy who works in this world. Evolution is now about universal common descent, universal common descent, and neutral drift. Universal common descent and neutral drift. Neutral drift is not random mutation. Neutral drift is the small changes in DNA structure going from me to my child, and then my child to their child. There are small changes that are occurring. They're saying this is far more relevant, the small changes that occur from one generation to the next, than is random mutation. And it is no longer natural selection that dominates. It is the theory of universal common descent. T talking about the, the, these relationships but that come from common ancestors. So in other words, we are not, we are not descended from chimpanzees. We have a common ancestor. It is said that it goes back to. That's what evolution is about. And it is the mechanism of change within that. So even in the last five years, Things have changed. Evolutionary biologists will talk about how this is different now. So where do you want to shoot the book of Genesis? You want to have it conform to your science? Well, your science is going to change. The Word of God doesn't change. This book will be preached at the funerals of all these evolutionary biologists. The theories change. The other thing that's really interesting is soft tissue. You hear what's happening with soft dinosaur tissue? Just in the last few years, about 10 years ago, a researcher from North Carolina State University found within dinosaur bone soft tissue, which is collagen, which is protein. It's like, not, we're not talking about little traces of DNA. We're talking about massive amounts of soft tissue. And she published this paper, and many people were in disagreement. Now guess what they're finding? Soft tissue all over the place. That's not mud inside mixed in with those bones. That's soft tissue. That's protein, like what we're made out of. They're finding that. Well, how does that make sense? The dinosaurs died off 60 million years ago. 60 million years ago, they died off. We're finding... Lots and lots of soft tissue. Not just little traces of it. Massive amounts of soft tissue in with dinosaur bones. Isn't that interesting? Organic matter lasting 60 million years? This is making people do a double take. So I read about, I wanted to see what do chemists start saying? What do these, the, these biochemists start saying? How does this soft tissue last? Why isn't it just eaten up? Why isn't it consumed? 60 million years? 80 million years? The dinosaurs were thriving 60 million to 120 million years ago. How does this soft tissue last? They, they have these very strange theories now all of a sudden on how organic tissue can last. So where do you want to shoot? This is well within your lifetime. 
well within even your college and graduate school careers that this has now changed. You see the problem with taking Genesis and trying to fit this to our scientific theories? Theories keep changing. That's the problem with it. So let's look back at the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 again. Because we're kind of reviewing this again. We've looked at some other verses here. But we'll pick this thing up. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And last week we had looked at Isaiah 45.18 and the week before we looked at Isaiah 45.18. And it says that God created the earth not as a wasteland, but as being filled. Not as a wasteland, but as being filled. As being perfect. And then there is this catastrophic event that occurred, and we had seen that in Ezekiel 28, verse 12, and there's other passages. I listed them all for you. In fact, it was two weeks ago I listed those for you on the board. That the, Ezekiel 28, 12, it talks about the fall of Satan. And this may well account for this, this period in verse 2. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's only three acts of creation. That word created, ex nihilo, from nothing to create, that occurs in the book of Genesis. And that is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. That is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 21. And Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So only in verse 1, 21, and 27 is there God is created. Everything else it is, He has made it apparent. He has made it apparent. Alright? The word created, this word created, ex nihilo, this forming from nothing only occurs in those three portions. And so you see, in the beginning God created, and we talked about how the beginning is God, and how in John chapter 1, it says Jesus was already there. He was in the beginning. So He predates all of this. He was already in the beginning. Everything was created through Jesus Christ. This one whom we worship, everything was created through Him. It says, but the earth was formless and void in verse 2. How can verse 2? There is a disconnect Grammatically, this, many scholars show this, there's a disconnect between verse 1 and verse 2. It's not that this was the earth that He created. This is a total disconnect between verse 1 and verse 2. It, it is, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. So in other words, there was a great destruction here. He created it perfectly. There was a great destruction. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So we are now introduced in verse 2 of the Bible to the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is alive and active and works in our hearts today and enters the heart of the unbeliever. As soon as they are saved, that Spirit that was hovering over the earth, the destroyed earth, the vacant earth, the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters, over the deep. And then in verse 3, Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. It is in verse 3 that you pick up this six days of creation. The six days of creation do not include verse 1 and verse 2 grammatically, or by many scholars, whether you look among Ju Ju Judaic scholars or Christian scholars, verse 1 and 2 are separate from that. That is what they suppose just based on it grammatically. That there was some span of time there in verse 2, 
between verse 2 and verse 3. There's some span between verse 1 and 3. Some span of time. Now, some people want to throw the dinosaurs into that time. Maybe it was millions of years, maybe it wasn't. But did you know most people don't even know the difference between a million and a billion? Let me give you a feel for that because most people don't even know. I've seen students just throw around the word million and throw around the word billion interchangeably. A million seconds... A million seconds is 11 days. In 11 days, you have a million seconds. A billion seconds is 32 years. Do you think there's a difference between a million and a billion? All right. What if somebody said, wait a million seconds. Okay, I'll wait 11 days and then we'll... What if they said, wait a billion seconds? Now, that's a, a little bit different. You know, if you ask somebody to marry you, they say, wait a million seconds. Okay, wait a billion seconds. Uh, I'm not sure, sure about that. <laughs> you know? I mean, there's a big difference between a million and a billion. And now you go to a trillion, and people start talking about trillions of dollars. That's 32,000 years. All right? So that's what happens when you change things by three orders of magnitude. All right? So, so, uh, um, People want to throw the dinosaurs into that period, into, into this uh, uh, verse 2. Maybe. But remember, if we're going to say that that was billions of years ago, because life is presumed to have formed 3.8 billion years ago. Earth is 4.8 billion years old, we are told by physicists. I can't assess that. I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, I don't work in that area. I can't make that assessment. Universe is 14.8 billion. The earth is 4.8 billion. Life appears somewhere under some rock 3.8 billion years ago. All right? And, and so people want to, if we want to put the dinosaurs in this, in this verse 2 area, if we want to put it in that verse 2 area, how do we still have all this soft tissue in the dinosaurs? I don't know. Do I have an answer for this? I don't. I don't have an answer for this. I'm just saying to you how clueless science is on these things. Do you get that sense now? Do you understand what I'm talking about? So when the professor comes gallantly into the lecture room, says, we know this, and we know this, and we know this, he doesn't know. Or she doesn't know. Those are theories... And theories, I'm telling you, change all the time, especially in this area. I've just outlined for you a bunch of things that have happened in my lifetime and in your lifetime, of big, big changes that have occurred. Just the whole definition of Darwinian evolution has changed dramatically. It says in verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light. This is beautiful. So this is where we start outlining the creation of the world as we know it. The world as we know it. This is the first day. Then God said. Each one of these days is started with this. Then God said. This is the first time we see God speaking. God is a speaking God. He speaks. Every page of the Bible you would see God says. God spoke. God is a speaking God. He speaks to us through the pages of Scripture. He speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. This idea that God doesn't speak is not true. Pull out every page of Scripture. 
where it talks about God speaking, you'll have almost nothing left. God is a speaking God. Then God said, let there be light. Let there be light. Here's the fiat. Boom! Let there be. Let there be light. This powerful word that comes forth. Let there be light. He said it. It has to happen. Some people say, oh yeah, I'll, I'll be there at 6 o'clock. They may or may not come. People are really good at not fulfilling what they say. When God says it, it has to happen. He says, let there be light. Boom! There is light. The world, the universe cannot stop from this happening when God says it's, it's going to happen. Heaven and earth will split apart at the word of God. When God speaks it, it has to happen. The word of God, every word in this book is true. It has to happen. Your scientific theories are going to change and change and change again. Your scientific facts are going to remain the same. For anywhere in the universe, our scientific facts are the same. Our periodic table is the same anywhere in the universe. H2O, is water is always going to be H2O anywhere in the universe. The molecule hydrogen, H2, is going to have two atoms of hydrogen. The number of electrons, the number of neutrons, the number of protons, all going to be the same. Those are facts. The theories are going to change. When God speaks, it has to happen. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. The outcome of God speaking, the outcome of His Word is it has to happen. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. What does it mean, there was light? That word is not created. That is, became visible. Light became visible. There is a theory, another scientific theory. It used to be, here's another, another change. It used to be that the dinosaurs died out because of climate change. The climate changed and dinosaurs died out. Did you know that that theory has gone away? It's another theory that's gone away. Dinosaurs now died out because a meteorite hit planet Earth that was 200, uh, 2 million times stronger than any nuclear blast that, is, that humans have ever put together. 2 million times stronger. Remember, million? These are big numbers. 2 million times stronger. Million is bigger than 100. You know? 2 million times stronger than any nuclear blast ever that, that people have, have, have conjured up. That meteorite that hit planet Earth hit in the Yucatan Peninsula, there in Mexico, left a huge crater. There is very little iridium, the element iridium on planet Earth, except in the crust. Except in the crust. It's not within, except, except in the crust. It is believed that there was a unitary, a single event that dumped Iridium, the element iridium on this planet, and it was that event. Iridium comes from outer space. Meteorites sometimes have iridium. That meteorite was believed to be six miles in diameter, slammed into the Yucatan Peninsula, and threw up a cloud of dust into the air. This is not Jim Tursley. This is scientific theory. So for all of you who are, you know, great scientists, this is your theory. This theory is for you. So, so, so it covered the earth threw up all this dirt and this dust. 
That dust that covered the earth totally obscured the sun. The sun being obscured, no light could get in, and readily everything died. The plants died, the herbivores died, so the carnivores then died. Everything died, and it got extremely cold. And all these animals were cold-blooded, and so so they 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 were very dependent on 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 uh, uh, the 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 atmosphere and the weather, and they died off because the earth all of a sudden got very rapidly cold because of all this dirt that came up. Now, was that, is that true? No, that is a theory. It's not a fact. Maybe it's true. Maybe it happened. If it happened, that would fit in with Genesis verse 2, that there was something that made the earth void, that destroyed totally the earth. That would fit in with the verse that we had read in Ezekiel when Satan was thrown down because of his disobedience. Thrown down and everything died off. Several verses in the scriptures begin to point to this. Could this be an alignment between science and the scriptures? Remember, I said it's dangerous to do that because I don't know how long this theory is going to be around. But based on the current theory, maybe it does point to something that's happening in verse 2. So all this dirt gets thrown up, it obscures the sun. It's total blackness. You see no black, you, you see, there's no light getting through. There are some days, and you've seen them, where you can have such cloud cover that even during the day, it's, it's almost like nighttime. And it's not because of an, an eclipse, it's just that there's so much cover in the atmosphere. I don't know if you've ever seen where a lot of dirt has been swirled up in, say, a dust storm. And it can get really dark out. The sun's still there, but it's just obscured. Now, iridium is only on the surface of the earth, all over the earth. Well, where did this iridium come from? It's only on the earth's crust. It's believed from that one impact dumped iridium all over the earth. It's still a very rare element when you consider the entire content of the earth. It's only on the crust of the earth. But, but this theory came, came in, in, uh, uh, in the 1980s. In the 1980s, a Nobel Prize was given to, to a father and son team. The father was an astrophysicist, the son was a geologist, for this theory as to how the, the dinosaurs became extinct that iridium then was covered on the face of the earth. The impact was so large, but that's what killed them. So, if we go with that, you've got this covering. Everything is in total blackness. God says, let there be light. Maybe now this blackness starts to subside and the light becomes to go through, seems to go through because this is not the creation of light. It's not like in verse 1, created. This is, let the light be exposed. All right? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning one day. So, he says, let there be light, there was light. God saw that the light was good. And this is what you're going to see throughout this. You're going to see something happen. God is going to speak. It happens. And... God looks at it and He says, that's good. That's good. God declares it to be good. He names it. Then He names it. Remember, naming something displays power. Daniel and his three friends go in, in, into Babylon. What does the king do? He renames them. He has the power to do that. Cain, the, the, the king renamed Jehoiakim. 
Nekon, uh, the, uh, re- renamed Jehoiakim. So you, you, you see that, that there's this renaming that takes place. Pharaoh Necho did these sort of things, these renaming. God names this light. He saw that the light was good. He said, let there be light, there was light. God saw the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness he called night. He starts naming things. And it was evening and it was morning one day. Why evening and morning? Why not morning and evening? That makes more sense, doesn't it? No, only because you're a Westerner and not a Jew. The Jewish day always started, always starts, it, it, it goes from sundown to sundown the next day. So the Jewish day starts at sundown. That's the new start of the day. So we start the day at, at, you know, 12 midnight plus a nanosecond. That's the start of the new day. Why 12 midnight? That's kind of an odd time. It's, it's much more natural to start it when, when the sun goes down. So that's the start of the new day. So, so somewhere around 6 p.m. or 8 p.m., depending on the time of year, that's the start then. As soon as you get into that, that's the start of the new day. There was evening and there was morning. One day. Everything else you always have saying second day, third day, fourth day. It's not, it, 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 it's, it's not, not uh, 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 one day, two day, three day. It's second, third, fourth. Why, do they, why doesn't he just say the first day? Why did he say one day, day one, here? Nobody really knows. Scholars think that it's because when you have one day, it does not presuppose that there's going to be a second and third and a fourth. It's just one. Only if you know that there's going to be a second, do you call it first. If you say first, it presupposes that there's going to be a second and third and a fourth. You don't know. But anyway, one day. Then God said... Well, anyway, but, but this, this, this is so amazing that God speaks it and it happens. Then God said in verse 6, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the, uh, let it separate the waters from the, uh, uh, from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. So he's separating now the waters that are on the earth and the atmosphere above. This is the only day that he doesn't say at the end of it, it was good. It's the only day. But on the third day, he says it twice. Because he completes the work of the second day on day three. And then after he completes it, he says it's good. And then he does some more stuff on day three. And he says it again, it was good. But God speaks it. Then God said again, we see God speaking it. Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And let it separate the waters from the waters. So he said, let this happen. And God made the expanse and it separated. When God speaks, it happens. Every word in this book is true. And He gives us, He gives us commands. So let me read for you a command and we'll close with this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. 1 John 3, 23. This is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. This is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Did you know that this is not merely an invitation? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Jesus says come. Now, it's not that that's not true, but it doesn't stop there. Sure, it is an invitation, but it is also a command. We are commanded 
to believe, he says, this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. We are commanded to believe in his son. This is the whole thing about evangelism. We are commanded to believe. It is not just that we are inviting people into the kingdom of God. It's not just that Jesus is saying, come on in. He is commanding us. Shall we spurn Him? Shall we neglect His command? The one who says to heaven and earth, split and it splits. God makes this happen. He makes it happen. God does this. We are commanded to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you don't know the Lord today, remember the Lord's command. Believe. Believe. It is a commandment. He commands you. Believe. That's why you are able to believe. Because God has commanded it. You have the power to believe. Because He's commanded it. And so I encourage you this day. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much for this Word. Your Word is true. Your Word is true. The scientific theories change all the time, but Your Word remains true. Thank You, Lord, for Your awesome power. You speak And it happens. Your word is great. You are a powerful God. I pray, Lord, for the unbelievers that are here. That by the command of God, they would believe on the name of God's Son, Jesus Christ. They are commanded to believe. And even as the jailer cried out, what must I do to be saved? And the command was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved in Acts chapter 16. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Father, I pray for the unbelievers here, that this day they would make a decision to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for those here who know you, that they would take God's word seriously. God speaks, and it must happen. If God has promised, it must come to pass according to His Word. Jesus Christ is coming again. There is life after death. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. When God says it, it has to happen. Lord, I pray that You would renew in their lives the understanding of the truth of the Word of God. Father, thank You for this Word. In the name of Jesus. Amen.